the first chapter of the book of Daniel. I pray that God might help us with it. And I pray that the Lord might help us in a, in a strong way. And we'll not getting into much, we'll get into some prophecy, but we'll get into some uh, light duty prophecy tonight. The book of Daniel is not all a book of prophecy. And uh, we'll talk about that tonight. And I pray that God might help us. So we're looking at the book of Daniel. I'm going to read two verses. Probably never get past the first two verses. We'll not get them cleared out. Because we're going to look at some things and I want to see it. These, I know tonight what I'm preaching on, most folks don't stop long enough to get what I'm going to be giving out. But there's a lot of meat in verse 1 and 2. He said, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, how many knows about Jehoiakim? Where in the world he come from? Amen. We'll look at that tonight. And king of Judah came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, under Jerusalem, and besieged it. That's two statements in verse number one. In verse number two, it says, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. That's some very important scriptures. You said, don't make good sense. We're going to look at it. I pray the Lord might help us in a real way. Let's pray. Father, give us wisdom from heaven. Lord, show us what we need to say and how to say it. I pray tonight, God, you get your will in our heart and life. Lord, we realize that we need you. And Lord, the word of God is our strength. It's our hope. It's our help. It's our everything. And I pray tonight, God, we get enough help from these two verses that would help us to live as you would have us to live in a dark, evil, uh, wicked world. And we'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now the book of Daniel tonight has a total of 12 chapters. Not hard to find that out. And it's got 357 verses out of the 12 chapters. We're going to deal with uh, chapter 1, verse 2 verses out of 21. I pray that the Lord might give us all we need out of it. This book, the book of Daniel, is filled with truths that God has given that will thrill us, strengthen us, encourage us, challenge us, build us up in the faith, and even convict us of our sins. What a book. Amen. I like to study it done a lot of times. Daniel is the big key of the Old Testament to the study of prophecy. Now, we've got a lot of people today that are interested in prophecy. We've got a lot of people that's mixed up in prophecy. We've got a lot of people that are fearful of what's going on and what they think is going on and what they think they're going to have to face. I told this yesterday to the ladies at, at, the, at the shop yesterday when we was working. Uh, people are con- confused about tribulation and persecution. Matter of fact, that's two different things. It's two worlds. God never told us that we would not suffer persecution. Matter of fact, Jesus said, 
if you live godly, you shall suffer persecution. Now, most of us tonight, we've not suffered any persecution, have we? Amen. Persecution is when they harm you. Now, we've had a lot of tongue-lashing persecution. They talk about us. They say things about us and uh, call us all sort of names. But how many of you have had relatives lately that's got burned at the stake for standing for the truth? Got thrown in jail and uh, had to go to prison for preaching the Word of God. Well, that's persecution. How many of us have been, had to hide to read our Bible? How many of us have had to, uh, you know, just secretly pray because of persecution? How many of us have been thrown in a lion's den? How many of us have been put in a fiery furnace? That's persecution. Jesus was persecuted. Paul was persecuted. The early church members were persecuted. Now that's not tribulation. So when things happen and they threaten you with this and threaten you with that, people just go all to pieces. You'd expect that. It's not going to get any better. Matter of fact, the rest of the days before the church is called out of here, it's going to be uh, tremendous. We're going to have to face things that we've never faced. Matter of fact, in the last two, two and a half years, you faced things that you never thought would ever happen in the United States of America. Am I right? I mean, I'm watching things unfold, and uh, I've seen where that the governor of uh, California has said that he's lifting the, uh, the 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 what COVID thing, what February. And I mean, boy, they're working well. I mean. We face things that we had never faced. Now we got things that's going to be done and say, we'll probably have to face some persecution. But tribulation is the judgment of God. And the judgment of God in tribulation is to get people right. Nowhere in the Word of God did God ever promise the church tribulation. Get that in your mind. I hear so many people say, church is going to go through tribulation. I even hear prophetic preachers that they've been preaching for years, preaching as much as or as long as I have, and they're, you know, causing people to have fear about tribulation and the mark of the beast and all that. Why in the world do you want to worry about that when God never promised the church that? He's, hey, there's a different entity. He's going to give tribulation to the Jew. Now, he also We'll have tribulation for the saints of God that don't, I mean, not for the saints of God, but for the people in the world that do not get saved by the grace of God, but the saints of God are going to get called out at the rapture. God done told us we wouldn't go through that. Now, I'm just a preliminary. That's not what I'm going to basically say on tonight. But the Old Testament book of Daniel is the equivalent of the New Testament book of Revelation. Both of these books need to be studied together. For us to be able to put it all together and understand what God's got for us. And have the right view uh, and understanding of prophecy. I don't believe that you can just take the book of Daniel and get prophecy figured out. And you can't just take the book of Revelation and get prophecy figured out. You're going to have to study those two together in harmony. And then pull other verses and chapters and books out of the Bible to go along with those two books. 
And by doing that, you can get a pretty well view, but you can't iron it all down and pin it all out. Nobody knows it. You think somebody comes through and they, they tell you they can tell you this and that. There's a few things I can tell you I know. I see it from the Word of God. But there's some things that I'm not positive on. And no other preacher is. Hey man, I told some folks the other day, I think I told you here too, uh, the way gas is going and they say we're not going to have no gas down the road. Electric cars and ain't seem to have too much to be able to put those together. I'm just wondering if by... 2030 or if we live long enough or the Lord knows if none of us are going to be able to have a car at all. We may have to be on bicycles and uh, I told Miss Bonnie, I believe it was yesterday, I can straighten that out for you. I know somebody will sell you a horse. So I don't know, we might have to go to horses and saddles. Matter of fact, if you study the book of Revelation, you find that there's a lot of battles and a lot of horses in the book of Revelation. And I'm not throwing that in. Don't go out and tell everybody I said we're all going to be on horses. I ain't saying that. I'm just saying tonight I see things changing. And what I used to think about things don't work anymore. Now I just want you to remember tonight that God does not want to judge anybody. God does not want to uh, hurt anybody or destroy anybody. But God wants us to listen to him, obey him, and hear him. And uh, if we don't, God will move us out of the place and put somebody else in our place. Because God's work is going to accomplish and get going. But let me ask you this. How many of you, and I don't want you to raise your hand. I know the answer to it anyhow before I ask you. How many of you think you're on the top notch level of God in his service tonight? I mean, surely you can't say tonight that I'm at the top of the list. I can't say that. Amen. The more I do, the more I see I ought to do. Amen. And the less I do sometimes, I realize I've failed a big bunch. So I'm looking at this, but what God wants to do is for us to get his uh, salvation that he's given or will give to us if we ain't saved. And then he will give us everything we need uh, to be put, placed upon us to do the work that God wants us to do and do it adequately. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. We got to submit to his will. We got to find his will. We got to do his will. And we got to stay in his will. And God will do everything to help us. Now the book of Daniel, I've got it wrote down in the margin of my Bible where I preached over before. It's a historical book. There's a lot of things that you wouldn't know tonight. If you didn't have the book of Daniel. I'm going to think about the kingdoms of the world, for one. The Medo-Persian Empire. The Grecian Empire. The Roman Empire. And the Babylonian Empire. Those you wouldn't know about. They're mentioned in other places just a little bit. But Daniel goes into detail with those kingdoms. Right? So it's a historical book. On top of that, it's just a plain practical book. The first chapter basically is just practicality. Where we need to be for God. And I hope this is going to help you to understand it when we get through. It's not only that, but it is, as I said, a prophetic book. It's not only that, but it's a book of judgment. It's a judgmental book where God is judged. And we'll look at that a little bit as we go along. The book of Daniel is also uh, 
deals with the lives of men in the Word of God. There's no judgment that ever falls upon men, nations, or people without a warning. Yeah, right. Amen. God is warned through the preachers that men and women are going to hell if they're not saved. God warned Israel that he'd turn his back on them if they uh, went against his will. And that has come to pass, has it not? God said, I'll scatter you throughout the earth. He has never told us that. He, he tells us we're going to have to face judgment. And he warns us. So no worry, and I say this again, all the friends that you have is worrying about the church going through tribulation. Tell them nowhere in the Word of God has God ever promised a church tribulation. Read the first seven uh, churches of Asia Minor. Then look at them and you'll see it. God didn't uh, tell any of them they was going through tribulation. Right. He's going to keep them from the hour of temptation that's going to come on all the earth. And that's what tribulation is. But God did warn the Jew that he had faced that because he had reckoned. You see, when the Jew said, no, I don't know the Lord. I don't, ex or I don't accept Jesus as the king. I don't accept him as the Messiah. I don't want him. Away with him. Give us Barabbas. Crucify him. They seal their doom on that part of being cast out. And God has scattered them. And uh, no, no nation has ever been has ever suffered like the Jewish nation has suffered. Not only have they had persecution, but they've had or will have tribulation. And you understand that? Get this fixed in your mind. The, the thing is tonight, you said, well, how do you know all that? I'm going to give you scriptures on these things. They're there. If the Bible tells us, I have to believe it. Now some of y'all scratch your head and uh, 15... Uh, uh, question marks pop out. Amen. And you wonder. Don't ever question the word of God. Get sealed on it. It saved me. It gives me witness. It gives me the presence of God. It shows me what to do. I should never. You should never doubt the word of God. So the best thing to do is get your confidence in the word of God. You're not trusting government. I hope. You're not trusting the world. I hope. You're not trusting family, I hope. You're not even trusting yourself, I hope. You're not trusting the preacher. You're trusting the word of the living God. And when God says it, it's going to come to pass. That's enough to shout off of, isn't it? Praise God, I'll make some of you Methodists here shout. I'm telling you. Presbyterian old fellow told me yesterday, he said, I, I never had talked to him and I was talking about the seven-day Adventist and in our little conversation. And he was talking about the Sabbath. And I was trying to straighten that out. I'll probably get on some of that tonight. He's here. And uh, he says, uh, well, he said, he just come in and said, he said, I hear y'all talking about the seven-day Adventist. He said, I've been a seven-day Adventist for years and years and years. If you want to know about them, I can tell you about them. And I said, well, good. And I got, just got up on the table and went over to his table right there beside us. And I wanted to get all I wanted. I said, I want, I want to get some information. And I said, where you go now? He said, oh, I went down to the torch. Well, I don't know which one's the best. <laughs> Amen. You might 
feel different about that, but uh, there they are. He said, and, and so I talked to him and was sharing that back and forth. And I'm saying tonight, you know, one's got an idea and another's got an idea and another's got an idea and another's got an idea. And it's time that we just dumped all that and took what God said. And uh, they believe, don't you take everything I tell you. If I tell you something in there, don't you just take it because I said it. You take it home, search the Word of God, and if I'm not right, you have no obligation to it. But if I'm right, and you believe that's what God says, and you can see it from the Word of God, you've got to ever right in the world. Matter of fact, you better believe it, or you're going to get in trouble. And I'll tell you, and I'm going to tell you this, I don't intend to teach you something wrong. I might. Come on, now, I, figured, I was looking for an amen there. I might. I could. So can you. But we need to find out what's right and preach what's right. And let it go from there. Now, God always gives us a space to repent after He gives us warning after warning, after warning. When He gives us a space to repent, and we repent, God takes care of things. But if we ignore His warnings, He'll move in, and when God moves in to bring judgment, you can count on it. His mercy is over. You said, can I repent? God will give you space to repent. But when you get to the place that He sees you're not going to repent, God knows your heart better than you do. And God knows. And after God speaks and speaks and speaks, then judgment comes. And when God starts judgment, you can't get out of it. I can't get out of it. You can't pray yourself out of it. Nobody else can pray you out of it. And God says, that's it. I ain't having nothing else. I fool with you too long. And now judgment comes. Back off and watch it. And get ready to pay the price. You said judgment ever come? Yes, sir. I've, I've, I've refused to get what things right a few times and God passed judgment on me. Now he didn't send me to hell. He didn't take me to the graveyard. But he sure did uh, make my road rough. He sure broke the pavement up. You know how it is to run on broke up pavement, don't you? He got the gravel road moving under my feet. And I had sickness and Pain and different things and I wish I'd never got into. And listen, before I got out of it, I'm a talking to the Lord and he's got the last word. And you don't have to ask him, Lord, why is this going on? You'll know. Somebody said, the Lord's whipped me a few times. I didn't even know what he whipped me for. Now, I want to tell you something. As parents... You try to be careful about whipping your children when they don't need to be whipped. Matter of fact, in this modern day, people will whip them, don't whip them when they need to whip them. And you're more lenient than God is, but when God sees you need a whipping, He'll give you a whipping. But He won't overdo it. And He won't, he won't uh, do it wrong. And when my mama whipped me and when my daddy whipped me, I tell you this much, I'll say, 
I knowed I'd been whipped. And I never had to look at mom and say, why did I get a whipping? I never had to look at my daddy and say, daddy, why did you whip me? All he had to say is, this hurts me worse than you. And I'm saying, I don't believe that. <laughs> but I got a little groan and I found out he was right. Amen. Now, let's look at verse 1. We got the introduction out of the way. And I want to show you some things tonight, and I'm concerned about our churches. You know where we're at today in our churches? People do not want to learn anything from the Word of God. People are so smart that you can't tell them anything. From church to church, from place to place. You know our churches are filled with ignorance of the Bible. Matter of fact, I heard a great man of God say the exact same words I just said yesterday on the radio. Brother James Knox in Deland, Florida said, you can't tell people in the church anything. They already know it. You can't teach them anything. They think they know more. He said, but they don't know the Word of God. And I find that not only in the church, but everywhere. Because people don't want to take the Word of God at face value, believe it, just like it says it. They want to read too much into it. I got news for you. You don't have no right. I don't have no right of reading into the Word of God. So let's look at verse 1. In the third year, does anybody know how, what that is? One, two, three. In the third year of the rain. You know what a rain is? It's not that it comes out of the clouds. That you feed the soil with. R-E-I-G-N means it's a rulership. A reigning. In the third year of the reign of Jeho Jehoiakim. So preacher, I'm not so sure I know. I've heard about it, Jehoiakim, but I don't know the whole detail of it. Well, I'm going to show you some things from the Word of God, and I believe it will help you. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Now, we keep getting some things about him. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, now we find out he's the king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar. We've heard about him, haven't we? King of Babylon unto Jerusalem and besieged it. All right, let's kind of look at verse 1 for a minute. We find out that we got somebody by the name of Jehoiakim who is a king of Judah. He's ruling, he's reigning. And all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, uh, pops up under Jerusalem, comes where he's at, and besieged it. Now Judah was part of the southern kingdom. We'll go back and give you just this just a little bit and I hope it'll help you to understand it. There's two statements here. I want to deal with these two statements. And so we got Jehoiakim, the king of Judah. Let's talk about him for a minute. And they, uh, Nebuchadnezzar come to him in Jerusalem or Judah. That one time, let me say that 
Jerusalem was the capital of Judah. And uh, Judah was the capital at another time of Jerusalem. Study your history, you'll see that. I'm not going to get into that tonight. But we'll find uh, that this is who he was over. He was Jehoiakim. Who is he? And uh, here it is. Jehoiakim was the king of Judah. Judah means what? Can somebody tell me? Judah. Praise. Or the house of praise. Judah, if you remember, is a is the tribe that Jesus Christ came out of. The tribe of Judah. I'll share that with you in just a minute. Because the Bible said that Christ, let's just turn over to Revelation for a minute. Hold your place. Go to the book of Revelation. And I want you to see this in the book of Revelation. And I'll give you the chapter and verse in just a minute. In chapter number 5. The Bible says in verse number 5, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold the lion, lion of the tribe of Judah, J-U-D-A. Now over here in the Old Testament, it's J-U-D-A-H. That's a Hebrew spelling of the word Judah. In the New Testament, J-U-D-A is the Greek spelling of the word Judah. It's the same. So you see that in the Word of God. We'll find that He is the line of the tribe of Judah. And it's a blessing to see that tonight. He's the one that stands out. He's the Lamb. And uh, we'll find that it's He's the line of the tribe of Judah. So remember that the land of Judah was part of the southern kingdom. The kingdom was divided into northern and the southern kingdom. It used to be one kingdom until Solomon. And God told Solomon that if you fool with horses and you fool with women in excess, you're going down. And he married strange women and those women turned his heart from God. God warned him. Did he not? And they took his heart away from God. Somebody said uh, he knowed better. He did. Somebody said uh, looks like you'd have listened. You'd think so. But he I guess loved the horses and the women. More than he loved God. Same thing happened in the Garden of Eden, if you will. Eve transgressed. She gave it to Adam, the fruit to eat, and he, you said, Adam ought not have done it. But Adam loved Eve, and he knew that he wouldn't have a wife. And I don't believe God would have made him another because the first one messed up. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. It'll help you. Therefore, God divided the kingdoms. Keep in mind that today, whatever you do today, here's some things that you need to learn. Whatever you do today, make sure it's right. Search the Word of God. Seek it out in prayer. 
Lay it before the throne of God. Ask God to help you to do it. Men, women, do this. Because what you do can have a bearing on your, prosper, your posterity. That means your children. Many of us tonight are having problems with our children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren simply because uh, before us and our foreparents, they've caused problems for us to go through now, and we're doing the same thing to those ahead of us. What you do today can have a bearing on your children tomorrow. Amen. Look at Solomon. Look at these all. Look at Adam. You understand that? So when you see that, you keep that in mind. Your life can, it will, and it many times it does go down for several generations in your life. Does that make sense? So it's important that we do right. Amen. Let me go back and give you just a little bit more on this. In the, the calling the line of the tribe of Judah, let me just give you this a little bit more. In two places in the book of Revelation, it's called the line of the tribe of Judah. Chapter 5 and verse 5 and chapter 7 and verse 5. That's the two verses it's mentioned, Judah in the New Testament. In the, the Old Testament, the tribe of Judah, you'll see in chapter 31 of the book of Exodus, there was somebody by the name of Bezalel. Anybody right off remember Bezalel? He was one of the ones that worked the works of the tabernacle. God gave him excellent wisdom, and he gave one right along with him to help him, and uh, he... They had extra, extra knowledge and understanding in working in silver and gold and brass. And they made all the things. Just telling you tonight, they were of the tribe of Judah. That's the same tribe that Christ came from. In Exodus chapter 35, look at chapter 35 of the book of Exodus. We'll take my time and look at some of these things because I believe it'll stay with us if we look at it close enough. Exodus chapter 35. Remember that's within the parameters of the tabernacle being built. Exodus 35 verse 30. It says this. And Moses said unto the children of Israel, See the Lord hath called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he hath filled him with the Spirit of God. You remember the Spirit of God came on people, but they didn't dwell in them. But God had given him the Spirit of God. And in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. And to devise curious works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass, and in the cutting of stones to set them, and in carrying of, a carving of wood to make any manner of cunning work. Do you believe God can still do things like that today? Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. You want me to tell you why we don't see preachers excelling in a lot of things today? You ever listen to them on the radio? Some of them have ministries, 
And some of them have businesses. You know the difference? It's called a dollar bill. They'll get on the radio and say, you send me $20 and I'll send you my four books. You send me $10 and I'll send you this. You want to tell you what a minister does? Minister says, you send me a letter and you don't have to pay a thing and I'll give you. That's the difference between a ministry and a business. Preachers of the world worst of making money and merchandise off the things of God. Isn't it amazing? They want to get the gospel out and they want to give it away free except when they've wrote a book. Now people don't like me preaching this. I get out in public, I make preachers mad off of this. They like that money. They say this helps supplement my income. You know why preachers sell Bibles? Is it because they want to get Bibles in your hand? Well, why do they say at the end of their broadcast? Now send me $20 and I'll send you a Bible or 25 or 50 or whatever it is. And all that I make off of that, I'll put it on the ministry. That's a business. How many of you here today saying, going up and down the road said, I've got Bibles. I want to give you a Bible. I want to give you a Bible. I want to give you a Bible. How many has been offered one lately? How many preachers have give you a Bible lately? I'll give you one if you don't have one. Amen. But I don't want to give you ten Bibles when you ain't going to read the first one. <laughs> Amen. And I want to tell you, and then they sell this. You know who buys them? People who got money. You know who needs them? Most of the time, people don't have no money. People get upset at me with that, but I'm telling you. I hear preachers, I hear them on the radio. You... It, you can have this. I've got this. I got that. I got this. I got this book. Oh, I got this on time. You, you just let me know, and I'll send them to you free. I hear very few, but I do know some out there. Thank God to do that. And I say they got a ministry. They don't have a business. Amen. Churches do that. All right, we'll find here that God has given them all this, and I'm not going to spend time. You'll get that when I get it. Oh, by the way, you remember the little boy by the name of Caleb? Do you know what tribe he is of? He was a tribe of Judah. I mean, he stayed with Moses all the way. And then when Moses, God took Moses out, he stayed with Joshua. He wholly followed the Lord. You understand that? Praise God. Jesus, the tribe of Judah, He wholly gave Himself. Uh, there's a lot of other things that you could apply with that, but we won't do it tonight. But I just appreciate what the Lord does in all these things and all I see. Now let's go back to Jehoiakim in uh, verse number 1. Let's see who, who He is. His name means Jehovah raises up. 
are established by God. In other words, I take for granted tonight looking at that, that God established him. You know, God put people in. He's fixing to take Jehoiakim out in this verse, or at least by the second verse. He's going out. He's been a king for a while. Matter of fact, we'll give you, uh, he is 25 years old when he started. I'll give you that in a little bit. There's 37 verses out of the Bible that mentions the name Jehoiakim. And it's listed in five different books. And uh, it's in 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, Jeremiah, and Daniel. You'll find him in them, several of them. So he's the king of Judah. And in this verse we find that... uh, well, let's just kind of go to Second uh, Kings for a minute. That's the first reference. Back to Second Kings. We're going to find out who this Jehoiakim is. And you're going to see what he's done. Was he a good king or was he a bad king? Anybody know? You've got to look at this. Yep, he's a bad one. I'm going to show you that. In Second Kings, they can, God can put them in. Let me just share this with you. God can put a bad, bad king in. He can allow him to go in, but God can take him out. I believe in our lifetime we've seen some bad presidents. Amen. And no calling, no names. But I'm saying tonight, uh, they, God can put them in. God knows our down-sitting and God knows our uprising. God knows what we need, whether we think we need it or not. Amen. I believe we'd have been where we ought to have been. We'd never got what we got now. And I believe it goes back several years. It didn't just happen a couple of years ago. Amen. I believe you and I and everybody who is saved by the grace of God can predict, or not predict, but can plan the future. We can be a good nation or a bad nation. But we can't sit back on our lees, twiddle our thumbs, and hope that it's going to get better when we hadn't done our part. This is hard things, but that's true. So let's look at 2 Kings chapter 23. 2 Kings chapter 23, and I want to give you what's happened. There's another player in this book of Daniel that you're not seeing, and I want to point him out. 2 Kings chapter number 23, and let's go to chapter uh, to verse 34. 23, 34. And we get this. And uh, we'll look, uh, let's go, well, let's see where I want, which verse I want to go. Let's go to verse 32, and I'll get one of them straightened out for you that I ask. And he did that which was evil. Now he's talking about Jehoahaz was 20 and 3 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 3 months. And this is off the family, and I'm going to show it to you. And he reigned 3 months in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Hamutal, uh, uh, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that, he, that his fathers had done. Now this is not Je- the one I'm talking about, Jehoiakim, but it's in his family. And you're going to see him be made king here in just a minute. I did. You're going to see what it says about him. And verse 33 said, And Pharaoh Nekoch, see him? 
When you see Pharaoh, who do you automatically think of? Egypt. And Pharaoh and Nicoch put him in bands at Riblah in the land of Hamath that he might not reign in Jerusalem. He stopped him from going in there and put the land to a tribute of a hundred talents of silver and a talent of gold. Now he's needing money. Verse 34, And Pharaoh Necho made Eliakim. Who is Eliakim? Don't read ahead of me. Just think about it a minute. The son of Josiah, king in the room of Josiah, his father. Now he, he made him king. Pharaoh Necho made Eliakim king in the room of Josiah, his father, and turned his name to Jehoiakim. We've got an Egyptian king now that has made Jehoiakim king and he has changed his name and took Jehoaz, which we read up earlier, away and came to Egypt and died there. He put him in Egypt. So that's where Pharaoh Necho is. And Jehoiakim gave the silver and the gold to Pharaoh. Now I reckon why he done that. But he taxed the land to give the money according to the commandment of Pharaoh. He exacted the silver and the gold of the people of the land of every one according to his taxation to give it unto Pharaoh Necho. Jehoiakim was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem and his mother's name was Zebedah, the daughter of Peda, uh, Padiah of Rumah and here it is. He did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his fathers had done. Does that understand a little bit in this king? Why are we on this? We want to see how the book of Daniel started. It's actually leading up to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which is not what you are to ever call them again. I'll explain that when I get there. But we find in that there's some things happened and looked at it. Now, who was Pharaoh Necho? Look at Second Chronicles chapter 36 and 4. Why did uh, Jehoiakim give him all that? Why did he do it? Let's turn to Second Chronicles chapter 36. Second Chronicles chapter 36. We want to look at verse number 4. And it said in verse 4, chapter 36 of Second Chronicles, And the king of Egypt, who is that? The one I just read to you, Pharaoh Necho, Eliakim, made Eliakim his brother. Now Je uh, Jehoiakim ends up being the brother of the king of Egypt. But he is the king of Judah. Now you find why he gave him the silver and the gold? Maybe you don't. When Israel left Egypt, what did they do on the night they left out? They borrowed the silver and the gold from the Egyptians. You remember that? They left with that and they used it in the work. Now, we find the devil getting back the silver and the gold. Don't you know he is upset the whole time? 
Now you understand that may be over your head, but you stop and think about that a minute. The devil's after that. Well, he gave away, and I'm going to go back and point this. I'm going to have to jump over here and t uh, well, let me read the rest of that. And Jerusalem and turned his name to Jeconiah, uh, Jehoiakim, and Nico took Jehoahaz his brother and carried him to Egypt. So we see that's the same one. I'm going back to the book of Daniel, and I'm going to point this out, and I'm going to leave this with you to go home on. The Bible teaches us out of Daniel chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2 that Nebuchadnezzar came in there. He besieged the city. Amen. The king of, ba uh, king of Babylon has besieged Jerusalem. See? And, it, uh, and Judah, they're, they're both together. And the Lord gave Je uh, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. He not only got the city... He got the king with part of the vessels of the house of God. And he got the vessels that they were using in Solomon's temple. Because this is where Solomon's temple goes down. This is history. And it says, which he carried into the land of Shinar. And I ain't going to have time to get into Shinar, but it goes back to Genesis when they built the Tower of Babel. That's where Babylon come from. I'll give you all the scriptures. To the house of his God. So there's where it went. The Lord's utensils to be used in the worship of God have now been placed into a false God's business. And you said, why are you saying that? Because we got the very same thing going on in America. Except it's a little backwards. The devil has devised the world to make things exciting out yonder and brought it into the church and we're taking things of the world to operate the work of God that God's never been in trying to build churches with it. And it's just taken for granted. There's nothing wrong anymore. We'll take, even they wouldn't, wouldn't eat meat that was offered to idols. And God even put that in the New Testament, by the way. But we'll do it. I'm not going to tell you in the ways we do it. I'll come back and tell you that. But you see tonight, we're missing things out of the Bible that we're not digging deep enough on. And we're placing our churches filled with junk and claiming it's God and believing that it's God, and we're letting the world operate our churches, and no reason, that's the reason we don't have no power, reason we don't have holiness, that's the reason we don't have godliness, that's why we don't have the power of God to save souls. And we're happy-go-lucky and excited about just our little old church. We ain't got no power. Amen. Why, why ain't souls getting saved all the time? I'll answer that for you later. Amen. Does that make sense? I hope this helps you some. You'll get these notes to go back over again. And I pray that God will help you. Alright? Let's bow our heads. Seek the face of God tonight. These are things that are deep. We need to dig deeper. We don't know what we're doing most of the time. 
we're just kind of happy-go-lucky, just living out our days, actually. You know what this is doing? It's prolonging. And we're not getting out of here. What it is, we're winning souls like we ought to be winning. Trumpets sound a little sooner and we get to glory. Maybe you don't want to go. But I do. Amen. Father, speak to us tonight. Help us to follow you with all our heart and mind. I pray your perfect will be done. May the hand of the Lord really be upon us. Use us, Lord, and forgive us of our sin. And I pray, God, tonight that we walk out of here, we'll have a better and greater and a bigger determination to go out and see and do what we can for the Lord. We give you the praise, the glory. We commit it to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Girls, I'll ask you to come and get these jars and see if you can fill them up.